Chapter Twelve of Gypsy the Talking Dog: A Story for Young Folks. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gillian Hendry. Gypsy the Talking Dog: A Story for Young Folks by Tudor Jenks. Chapter Twelve. In a Strange Land. Gypsy was on board what is called a tramp steamer, that is, a steamer without a regular route. These vessels go wherever they can make money by delivering their cargoes. The one on which Gypsy had made his voyage was loaded with cotton goods, crockery, and many sorts of provisions in tin cans. Her owners expected to bring back in return India rubber, hides, and other products of the great island. The steamer had stopped at several South American ports on her way, but of these, as has already been told, Gypsy saw nothing, being shut up in the hold for safekeeping. The little dog had understood from Jack that when they arrived at Madagascar, he would be allowed to go ashore, and he longed for a chance to leave the ship. They had sailed south continually, and the weather was very hot, but the crew bore it all patiently, because there had been no storms and nothing to cause them anxiety or hard work. After they had rounded the Cape of Good Hope and were sailing northward, the crew felt certain of a lucky voyage. Everybody on board was good-natured, and only Gypsy seemed ever unhappy. He did his best, however, to bear his part in amusing the crew, and often went through his tricks for their pleasure, when he would rather have been grumbling and growling in some corner by himself. One night, when Jack was on the lookout forward, with Gypsy beside him, the sailor was too tired to keep awake, and before he realised how drowsy he was becoming, his eyes closed, his head drooped, and he was fast asleep. It may be that Gypsy himself was not entirely wide awake, but he was really excusable, for he was not on duty. At all events, suddenly Gypsy was wakened by the puffing of a steamer, and jumped to his feet to see a red light on the port bow, a light so near that Gypsy thought the two steamers would run each other down. There was no time to wake Jack. Gypsy had to act, and he called out as loud as he could, Red light on port bow! And then caught Jack's arm and shook him. The steersman heard the cry and steered to starboard. The two steamers passed each other altogether too near for comfort, but the danger was over. Jack woke as the other steamer passed, but he never knew who had given the warning. He did know that Gypsy had tried to wake him, and he was fonder of his pet than ever. This was the last adventure before the arrival in port at Tamatave chief port of the great island of Madagascar. It was a happy little dog that trotted along up the sandy shore at Jack's heels on the day they first had liberty. The city where they had landed was situated upon hilly ground, surrounding a great stretch of sandy shore. Most of the houses were low, but a few were of several stories and had high towers at the corners. Most of the people were dressed in white and went barefoot, but a few wore European dress. The natives seemed to be of many races, but the two principal ones were an olive-coloured, tall and fine-looking people, and a shorter, darker race of negroes with kinky black hair. Gypsy was wise enough to keep close to Sailor Jack. He had no wish to be lost in a strange land, where, for all Gypsy knew, small dogs were favourite articles of diet. Jack had never been in the town before and wandered aimlessly about seeing the sights, and looking for a place where he might get a good meal, the first thing a sailor likes on getting ashore in a strange place. 
So they went through the streets, gazing at the queer people and the odd sights, until Jack caught sight of a sign reading, Café Francais. It was oppressively hot, and the sailor was glad to get into a shady place where he could have a cool drink, and Gypsy gladly followed him. They found themselves in a small neat room, containing two or three wooden tables and chairs, and a few pictures of French generals. Jack dropped into a chair, and Gypsy coiled up under it and fell fast asleep, just as he heard Jack call a waiter and give his orders. When Gypsy awoke, it was pitch dark and perfectly still. He rose from the floor and bumped his head against a rung of the chair. Then he crawled out and moved cautiously about. Now, said Gypsy to himself, I know just what has happened. That new master of mine has been drinking too much, like other sailors when they go ashore. Gypsy had learned a great deal of sailor life from the talks he had heard in the forecastle, And then he has just gone away, forgetting me altogether. It made cold chills run up and down Gypsy's back to find himself alone in this strange house, in a strange land, and in the black darkness. But he was braver than he used to be, and began at once to plan how he could get out of the scrape. Evidently, the first thing was to see where the door was, so Gypsy kept straight ahead, except for a table leg or two, and soon came to the wall. Then he kept close to the wall and began a slow circuit of the room, knowing that in this way he was sure to find the door. About halfway round he came to the door, but found it closed tight. Now, said Gypsy, who had expected this, the next thing is to find a window, and that is more of a puzzle. So he sat down and wondered how he should reach up high enough to be on a level with the windows. If there was only a row of chairs all the way round, he began, and then he thought that one chair would do, if only he pushed it around a little at a time. The chairs were light, and Gypsy, by standing on his hind legs, found he could easily move one of them. He pushed it to the wall, and standing up on it, felt with his nose each way as far as he could reach. Then he pushed it a little further, felt again, and so on. It was slow work, but sure, he told himself. After going about six feet, the chair hit against a table. Gypsy groaned, for he thought it would be a hard job to push the chair all around the table. Then he remembered suddenly that the table might be set against the window, and at once leaped to the top and felt about. To his joy he discovered a window, and with very little trouble lifted the latch and threw the casement open. He was just about to jump out when he drew back quickly, reflecting that he didn't know where his leap in the dark would end. Again he sat down to solve this new puzzle, and in a moment had a happy thought. On the table there were a few dishes, Gypsy picked out the smallest and lightest, a butter plate, and dropped it out of the window. It fell only a short distance, as he could tell from the sound, and apparently upon soft ground. A dog must take some chances, said Gypsy, and leaped out. He came down on a garden bed among some flowers, unhurt and free. Now that he was outside, Gypsy could see better, though the sky was very cloudy. He was in a little garden surrounded by a sort of open-work fence, but so loosely put together that he had no trouble in squeezing himself through and into the street. Of course, he didn't know which way to go, but he did not have long to decide, for as he stood hesitating, there came a sudden rush, and a big dog, a watchdog, came over the fence with a fierce growl and a gritting of teeth. Gypsy did not stop to consider which was north, south, east or west, he didn't care much about which way he went, 
but he wished to go, and to go quickly. Away he went, doubled up like a bow, and then stretched out like a string, while right at his heels came the watchdog. Gypsy was just about to be overtaken when he saw at the side of the road a big packing box. He gave a leap into the air, thinking that he might make a fortress of it, and keep the big dog away for a few moments at least. But the box proved to be not only a fortress, but also a prison. There was a loose board on top of the box, fastened only at one end by some loose nails, and as Gypsy came down on the board it fell inward, letting him slide into the box, and then sprung upward, making him a prisoner. Meanwhile the big dog had not the slightest idea what had become of the little one. He had been just able to see him, and saw the leap toward the box, but could not see where Gypsy went afterward. He ran to the other side, then back again, sniffed about for a few minutes, and then gave up the chase, running back to the yard from which he had come, leaving poor Gypsy in his wooden prison. End of chapter 12